Welcome to the Generation Life Church Sermon Podcast. We are a life-giving church for everyone. We are multi-generational, multicultural, and exist to multiply by reaching our community both locally and globally with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray that this message helps you in your walk with Jesus. Hey, how's everybody feeling today? It's good to be in church today. We are in uh, part four of a series that we are calling Rooted, and this is our final, final installment of this series. And uh, man, it's been, it's been, I just feel like it's been a blast. It's been good. I feel like God's been, been speaking to us. Anybody been getting something out of our Rooted series? How about all those who are meeting together in Rooted groups? Oh, okay. I overestimated what God was doing. I'm just kidding. But thank the Lord for all that he's doing. Man, it feels good to be in church today. It feels good to be in the house of God on a Sunday, especially when um, you know you could have been in another place. But thank God that we're here today. And so while we're at it, why don't we go ahead and give God some praise and some glory and thank him. Hey, so I've got a question for you. Um, how many of you have ever invited somebody to come to church? Kind of a loaded question, right? But have you ever invited somebody to church, and when you did, they were like, yeah, sure, but um, what kind of church is it? Right? Especially people who have been to church before, right, because they've already done this thing, and so they want to know, like, what kind of church is it? Like, is it, is it a loud church? Right? Is it a quiet church? Is, is, it a, is it a traditional church? Is it a, is, and if it's not a traditional church and it's a modern church, like what kind of modern church is it? Like does your pastor jump on trampolines in the service? You know, the, the, is there smoke machines? Like does he come in the stage on a zip line? I've seen all of that online like this week. I've seen all of that stuff. And, and so like people want to know, hey, listen, what kind of church are you inviting me to? But people really want to know, is it a Methodist church or is it a Presbyterian church? Is it an Episcopal church? Is it Baptist? Is it Pentecostal? Is it, is it Bapticostal? I saw one of those in, <laughs> in the city in Rochester, Bapticostal. I thought, okay. Like this is really important, though, for us to know. Because as a believer in Christ, we know that the scripture encourages us to get rooted in the body of Christ. And Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 12, we know that the word of the Lord says that Christ gave some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, all to prepare people for works of service so that we might be built up in the body of Christ. Hey, you know, although we saw many um, negative things, like when COVID hit the church, it said that like only a third of the people returned. And so although there's some negative things, we did see some really positive things that COVID did. And you know what, what COVID did? COVID proved the Bible that said that church does not work by yourself. That might not be the best English for all my English majors, but it's the truth. Like church does not work by yourself. In fact, the, the term church itself actually means a gathering or an assembly where, where we can come together and, and we, can, we can worship together. Now, can somebody have a relationship without church with the Lord? Absolutely. But that was not God's design that he had in mind for his followers and how we would be built up. 
And what I love about Colossians chapter number four is the apostle Paul, he provides us insight into what church God desires and that it would be strong in evangelism which means that we would constantly be praying about how we might reach those who are far from God, but that it would also be strong in discipleship, that that we would be rooted in God together in Christ with the people that you go to church with, a.k.a. friendship, that God in his sovereignty and in his loving care for his church, get this, he's resourced us with one another. For Christians to try to do this Christian life by yourself. Like we can see that all the way back to the book of Genesis. Remember when Adam was by himself and God said it's not good for man to be alone and so he provided Eve and all the men said, hallelujah, amen. Amen. But Paul is incredibly strategic in how he pens the conclusion of this prison epistle to the Colossian church because he describes how we ought to engage those who are outside the church as well as how we engage those who are inside the church. So as we wrap up this, uh, this message today in this series called Rooted, I just wanted to speak to you today from the subject of becoming a friend maker, becoming a friend maker. And here's the tagline for today, what to look for in godly Christian friendships. So if you have your Bibles today, I want you to uh, pop that thing open, uh, turn, scroll, however it is you access the word of God to Colossians 4 and verse 6. And uh, we've got the... um, We've got the words on the screen for you, and I just want to read this one verse together nice and loud as a community, as as a church, as a fellowship, as a body of believers. Are you here today? Okay, there you are. Hey, okay, okay. Uh, Colossians 4 and verse 6. Let's read this thing together. All right, ready? Let's read. Let your conversation be always full of grace seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. All right, now let's be a student of the word this morning. Let's, let's run back through it real quick. Um, but I want you to underline or, or highlight, screenshot a few things. Ready? Verse 6, let your conversation, underline conversation or highlight that thing, be always full of grace, underline full of grace, Oh, that's a big one. Underline that two times. Uh, Seasoned with salt. Underlined, seasoned with salt. So that you may know how to answer everyone. And I just want to take a moment and really uh, zoom in on verse 6 for a minute because there's two Greek words that form the word grace. One is charis. Charis which basically is graciousness, uh, reflecting an attitude or reflecting gratitude. I I just put in my notes, attitude of gratitude. It's just being thankful for what God has done in your life. Is anybody thankful for what God has done in your life? And the second is Cairo. And and Cairo means to be full of cheer and, and, and calmly or happy and well off. So now Paul also says that our conversation should be seasoned with salt. 
Now, the Greek word for salt is halos, which figuratively, of course, is salt, but, but really what it's meaning is prudence, meaning wisdom or, or caution. So now in a previous message, if you guys remember man, way back when, how many of you have been at Gen Life for a little while now? Back in the day, I preached a message on the three components of salt, and we said salt seasons, salt preserves, and salt kills, right? Salt seasons, like, have you ever, have you ever tasted some food that somebody made for you? And you're like, oh, yeah, it's real, real good, but could, could you pass the salt? You know, and you just kind of like, you know, dump salt on there because it may have been a little bit bland, but you didn't tell them, but maybe it was. But, but salt also preserves. Before refrigerators, they would, they would pack things with salt, but they would put a lot of salt on there to preserve it. You, you can't just sprinkle it on in those times. But we also know that too much salt kills, right? Salt in large quantities kills and destroys. Like in the book of Judges, there is a, a king by the name of Ambalek who conquered his enemy army. And what he did is, in case that enemy army ever tried to rebuild and go back to their homeland, he salted their fields with large amounts of salt so that no crop would ever be able to grow there again. Because too much salt kills. And it's the same thing in our lives. As a believer in Christ, we need wisdom to discern and, and, and to read the room in order to determine how much salt do we actually want to put on in this moment. Because if we put too much salt, we could kill our influence by pouring on truth so thick that we kill any influence that we're trying to have in other people's lives, right? But we don't want to just be cheery alone to the point where we hold back truth because as a believer... In Christ, our conversation needs to communicate truth in order to bring change. So salt in the context of what Paul is sharing is, is he speaking about influence and wisdom? So Paul is saying, hey, listen, let your conversation be full of grace and wisdom. Like, let it be life-giving. Let, let it be humble. Let, let it be Christ-like. Let it be free from gossip and profanity and bitterness. But, but don't put it on so strong that you kill your influence, but tell the truth in love, full of grace and salt. Now, this takes a lifetime to master, right? Like, we're not going to learn this maybe today, but... Um, when we look at the concept of what Paul is talking about, how do we know if our speech is full of grace and seasoned with salt? So I think if we look at our relationships in our lives, we can see if people are constantly avoiding us or, or, or if we're having a difficult time keeping friends. It, it, now, it may not be your fault because truth offends, but it could also be an indication that we've been laying it on too thick and we've been truthing them to death. I'm guilty of this. I, I've shared years ago how, how I, I had a conversation with my cousin. I laid it on so thick that we haven't spoken in like 25 years. Too much truth killed the influence 
Like I said, it takes a lifetime to master. But on the other hand, if we have close friends who we've had for, for 20 years and they still don't believe in Christ, they, their lives haven't changed at all, there's no conviction when they're around us. We've been rubbing shoulders with them day in and day out and there's no change at all? Like perhaps it's because we've been all grace and no salt. Because we're so concerned that they'll be offended by the truth that can produce change that you have no influence at all. And Paul would say, yo, <laughs> you need to put a little salt on that thing. You, you might need to tell your, your married friend that it's not cool to be staying the night at your, another man's house, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, like pour some truth on some of the things that are sitting right up under your nose, but when you do it, make sure you do it in love. It's all right, the children have left the building. Perhaps the best way to explain this expression of season with salt is by looking closely at the life of Onesimus. Paul mentions him in verse 9. Let's just take a look at Colossians 4 and verse 9. You still with me? Is this any good? I'm sure to appreciate the encouragement. Amen. Uh, verse 9. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. So I, I love this story right here because Onesimus was a hometown boy of Colossae. Paul said in verse 9, Onesimus was a faithful and a dear brother, meaning he was, he was from Colossae. Now, uh, Paul and, uh, led Onesimus to faith in Jesus. So now we're about to see why uh, people were drawn to the Apostle Paul because he was a master at being a friend maker. Because Paul was a man of great grace. He had received so much grace in his own life. You remember the Apostle Paul, right? He was the, he was the guy who was persecuting the church. He was a terrorist to the church. But because he was a persecutor, one day he has an encounter with God and God turns his life around overnight. And by God's grace, we saw that he came to faith in Jesus and he became one of the greatest evangelists in the Bible. To let you know that no matter how far gone you may feel from God, you can't escape his grace and his love. That if you'll turn to him, he'll turn to you. Uh, it said that those who have been forgiven much forgive much. And because of the Apostle Paul, he was full of grace in how God saved his life. Now watch this. Onesimus is mentioned in a letter that Paul wrote to a, a man by the name of Philemon. These are Greek names. You, know, you don't really hear these kinds of names. Nobody names their kid Philemon. I just say, you're so, so cute, Philemon. Uh, Onesimus, come to daddy, Onesimus. But right, so... so Paul writes a letter to Philemon, and of course, this has been included in the canon of Scripture, and we know it now as the book of Philemon. But Paul also led Philemon to faith in Christ. Now, Onesimus was a runaway slave. He was an, a runaway slave of Philemon, and some scholars believe that when Onesimus, he left and ran away, that he actually stole from Philemon. And he ran from Colossae all the way to Rome to try to disguise himself in, in the big city of Rome. And while he was there, Paul was in prison in Rome. And somehow Onesimus managed to meet Paul. And when he did, Paul led him to faith in Christ. 
Are you tracking with me? So, so now Onesimus is this runaway slave who has just gotten born again, and he has surrendered his life to Christ. But in Paul's day, a slave that would have run away and got caught in Rome would have first been marked with a big letter F branded on his forehead that stood for fugitivas. So that everybody who would have seen him would have known, hey, he's a runaway. He needs to get shipped back to his master. And when he would have arrived back to his master, he most likely would have been put to death. But watch grace. Paul Paul convinces Onesimus to go back to his master Philemon after he receives Christ. He says, go back to your master Philemon, but I'm going to send you with a letter to Philemon to advocate on behalf of this runaway slave. Now that's grace. He he encouraged his master to accept him as a fellow brother in the Lord. And, And not only that, but Paul asks Philemon to please release Onesimus so that he can be a free man and so that he could be right here by my side from now on. Paul's conversation was full of grace, but he also knew how to speak truth to power with wisdom in a way that affected change. Listen uh, to how Paul puts a little, put a little salt in this letter to Philemon. The book of Philemon, chapter number one, verses 17 through 19. Here, lean in for a moment. So this is Paul writing to Philemon, and he says, so if you consider me a partner, Paul led Philemon to Jesus as well. So he says, if you consider me a partner, Welcome him, being Philemon, as you would welcome me. If he's done to you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. He said, I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back and not to mention, watch this, you owe me your very self. Paul saying, hey, listen, don't forget that you used to be a slave to sin yourself. But now, now, but now you're free. And the reason why you're free is because you came to faith in Christ. But the reason why you came to faith in Christ is because I led you to him. And then this verse 22, skip down, makes me laugh. He said, and one more thing. Prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. He's like, hey, Philemon, when I get out of jail, let me stay in that Airbnb, though. Uh, and the reason why we're reading this epistle called the book of Colossians is because Onesimus and Tychicus put their lives on the line to deliver this letter from Rome all the way to Colossae because of the influence that the apostle Paul had upon them. He was a friend full of grace seasoned with salt. Paul's talking about good, Christian, life-giving conversation, seasoned with salt, seasoned with honesty, in love, positive, productive conversation, the, the kind of communication that comes from true friends that speak the truth in love. We need true friends that are full of grace and encourage you when you're down. Can anybody use those kinds of friends that pick you up when you're down, that are seasoned with salt so that truth will challenge us to change? You need those kinds of friends in your life. Man, I don't know about you, man, but I guess I'm just getting old. But at this stage of the game, I can't be surrounded by like no dead, negative, lifeless, unfruitful, unproductive 
conversation for too long, right? Like when I start hearing that, I'm like, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, Lord. Let me borrow that salt for a minute. Hey, brother, let me, let me tell you what you can be. Let me tell you what you can do. Let me tell you who Christ is in your life, right? Let, let me tell you who Jesus is and what he is able to do for you because of the cross. Like I don't want to be around that stuff too long. Let me tell you about how Christ can turn stress and your mess into success. That's a bar right there, short one. Hey, listen, is your conversation seasoned with salt? As, as long as you're all grace and no salt, your, your, your influence will be limited. But if you're all salt and no grace, your very words will work against you. But if you have the right balance, your words will be influential. I, I think this is a crossroads of decision for every Christian influencer in our culture these days, where, where we need to ask ourselves the question, are you trying to be liked or are you trying to be an influence? Because we can put plenty of content together that will get plenty of likes, but you'll know when your words are influential. When people start DMing you and saying, hey, listen, that word that you shared on your social media, man, that really spoke to my life. You got time to chat? That's when you know you're truly being an influence. And Paul said, man, Paul was a kind of friend whose words were full of grace and seasoned with salt. This is why most of the friends that he had in the scriptures, he led to Jesus. In fact, back to uh, Colossians 4, verses 7 through 9. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He's coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who was one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. Paul led his friends to Jesus. Hey, fam, are we, are we leading our friends to Jesus? That's a tough one. I'm not going to ask for a hand or anything. Not at all. But are we leading our friends to Jesus? Paul was awesome because he would lead his friends to Jesus and then he poured encouragement into them. Paul prayed for his friends. He invested in his friends. He, he saw potential in his friends. And as a result, Paul found himself surrounded by the kind of friends who could speak words full of grace, season what Saul back into his life when he needed it the most. See how that works right there? He, he poured into them, and they in turn poured back into him when he needed it the most. He was the ultimate friend maker. And when a church is rooted in God and rooted in friendships, we create the kind of church that God desires to see. And he can entrust us with those who are far from God because he knows that we have solid discipleship makers in here because we are friends with one another who share the word of God in truth and in love. Hey, let's, uh, let's read a bulk of scripture. Let's read uh, the rest of this thing in Colossians 4, verse 10. Colossians 4 and verse 10. I'm 
My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You've received instructions about him. If he, can, if he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He's always wrestling, somebody say wrestling, in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Heropolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas sends greetings. Give my brothers greetings, or give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains and grace be with you. Paul lists 11 friends who he can count on in verse 11. And he called his close friends co-workers for the kingdom of God. He's like, all my friends are about the Lord's business. Now, if you read the book of Romans, you know that Paul lists many other friends that he had, but he only lists 11 friends right here that he could count on. Let me ask you a question. Do you have at least 11 friends that you can count on, that you can call them when you need them the most? That's a goal to strive for. Because Paul was a team player. He, he knew he couldn't do it alone. He, he knew he couldn't do this Christian life alone. He knew the call of God was so strong upon his life. The call of God was so great upon his life that he was going to need help to accomplish it. Hey, and we're not just talking about the call of God here. We're actually talking about living for the Lord. We're talking about living this life for Jesus. The, the call to raise children is great in your life. The call to be a man of God is great in your life. The call to be a woman of God is great in your life. The call to, to live a life of purity and holiness is great in your life. And we need to be the kind of friend maker that enables us to be surrounded with godly friends. You need to be a friend maker. You guys ever heard of the app called Friend Maker? Yeah, they got that online. I did a little research. It kind of helps you expand your circle of friends. Like it, it speeds up the process for you because our current culture understands the importance of friends. The only place where people feel like they don't need friendship is in the church. Have you ever noticed that? It's like even social media understands it's all about how many friends you have. It's all about how many followers you have. It's all about your social network that you have. It's only when you get into the church that people think that they can do life alone that they can do life solo, that they can do life isolated, that, that we can actually do this Christian life apart from community, separated from others, and people will strategically come into church late, and then they'll leave early so that they don't have to engage others in the church. But then when we go home, and we're like, God, why didn't you answer my prayer? And God's like, I, you were sitting right beside your answer to prayer. But you miss your opportunity 
to make godly friendships, life-giving friends. How do I know this? Because I live that. I know how to time it right out. I know when the preacher's going up, I know when they're going to land the plane. I, like, I know how to come in and to go out, and, and, and I live that. But can I whisper a little secret to you? It doesn't work. We can't do this Christian life alone. But if we'll talk to the people around us at church, and if we'll make friends, you might find, you might, you might not, but you might find that God put us here for one another. Hey, young married couples, you may find that there's an elderly couple that might just be a little bit more seasoned who is actually going through the same thing that you're praying about. What if you just maybe walked across the room one Sunday and just been like, hey, I'm Keith, this is my wife Katie, you know, pastor is preaching the friend maker thing. We just wanted to come introduce ourselves. Prime timers. Those are our older generation. They're in their prime. Hey, listen, what if, what if you did the same? What, what, if you, what if you just maybe walked across the room and met a younger couple? Listen, it, they have so much to offer. They're, they're more than just your tech help when you have trouble with your phone. Like they, they, they actually can impart something to you. You need to be a friend maker. And so the apostle Paul was a master at being a friend maker. Jesus was a master at being a friend maker. And so before I send you home, I just want to give you three characteristics to look for in godly friendships. Three characteristics to look for in godly friendships. So if you're taking notes, would you just jot these down real quick. Point number one. Point number one. Surround yourselves with friends who will pour into your life. Look at Colossians uh, 4, verses 7 through 8 one more time. Tychicus, some call him Tychicus, uh, will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. Uh, King James Version says that he may comfort your hearts. Paul sent him to encourage the believers, to to comfort the believers, to to invest in them, to impart life, to pour into them, to pick them up during this challenging time that the church has been going through. And we've studied all that already. Um, But he he was pouring into them. Hey, um, I did this illustration a a while back when Gen Life, anybody remember when we had a super spreader? Yeah, yeah. Some of you are like, what are you talking about? We tried to group up in a tight church with COVID and everybody got sick. And so we had to have church on Zoom, right? But I wanted to ask you a question. Like as as you're pouring into your family and, and, and as you're pouring into your spouse and as you're pouring into your children and pouring into your job and, and pouring into people's lives and, and pouring into those who you go to church with and to those in your neighborhood, I got one question. Who's pouring into yours? Who are the people that are pouring into your life? Like, like how do you get replenished? Are you running on empty? Who are the people that encourage you, that, that, that are comforting you, that are helping you to develop your faith and to grow into the Lord and to learn scripture and giving you advice when you need it the most so that you can become the best you that you could possibly be unto the Lord? 
Like we need those kinds of friends in our life that'll pour into us. Let me go ahead and just sprinkle a little salt real quick so I can share a little truth for a moment. Here's a question worth asking. Who, who are the people that are draining you? Like, who, who are the people that are slowing down your growth? Who are the people that are holding you back? Whose words are not seasoned with grace and, and seasoned with salt? Who, who, who's draining your savings account? Who's borrowing money and not paying it back? Who's taking energy from you and depleting you of life and having all that negativity around you? You know what you need to have? You need to have the kind of friends that sense the anointing of God in your life, that sense the call of God upon your life, that, that contribute to the call of God upon your life, who are pouring in wise counsel and wisdom and knowledge and understanding to help you gain the kind of, the kind of understanding that you need to have in order order to do what God has called you to do. Do you have people pouring into your life so that we'll never find ourselves running on empty, but we'll find ourselves living the kind of life that Jesus said, he who believes in me as the scriptures have said, out of their belly shall flow rivers of living water. We need godly friends who will pour into our lives. Let me give you this second one. Number two, surround yourself with friends who will protect you. Surround yourself with friends who will protect you. Who's got your back this morning? Tychicus is also interesting because he encourages the church what to do, but he also encourages the church what not to do. Yeah, uh, he encourages Paul specifically what not to do. Tychicus first steps onto the scene toward the end of Paul's ministry during Paul's missionary journey. And we'll cover a lot of these guys in a book of Acts series that we're going to be doing in the month of uh, April. And in the month of March, we're actually going to be doing a March to Madness series. It's going to be awesome. Um, but, but yes, anyway, uh, he shows up on the scene during Paul's third missionary journey when Paul was in Ephesus. And, you know, the Apostle Paul, they, those, these guys would come into a city and just turn it upside down. So he comes in preaching, Jesus Christ is Lord, and this city is known for their Greek goddess worship that was dominant in that region. And, and, and so they worship this goddess Artemis, the daughter of Zeus. And, and so it sounds like Percy Jackson almost, right? And, and so they come to this town, and Paul preaches Jesus, and people start believing, and so there's a panic. They meet in this theater, and they're like, man, this guy's turning this world upside down. What are we going to do? And it's almost a riot. Like, there's a uproar in there. And Paul looks out there at the theater and he's like, hey, I'm going to go in there and preach Jesus. And his friend said, oh, no, you're not. Tychicus holds him back with the boys and said, oh, no, 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 you're not going in there. You need a couple of people in your corner who knows what's best for you. And who will say, oh, no, you're not. <laughs> you, you need those kinds of people in your life that see from a different vantage point. Like, I can't see behind me, but if I have friends, godly friends, who have my back, they can see what's coming. When I'm about to make a bad decision and, I, and I'm about to go in there, they could say, oh, no, you're not. Just in case, in a moment of weakness, they can be your strength. In case you're like, oh, I, I just celebrated a year sober. I think I'm going to celebrate with a beer. They can say, oh, no, you're not. 
I got three grand. I think I'm going to go up to the new casino over there, over the state line. They can say, oh, no, you're not. (laughs) Do you have the kind of godly friends that will protect you from others? And, And do you have the kind of godly friends that will protect you from yourself when you're not looking out for yourself? Hey, let me give you this third point, and I'll send you on your way. Number three, surround yourself with friends who will pray for you. And then I have dot, 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 really pray for you. Colossians 4 and verse 12 says everybody needs these kind. well, I say everybody needs these kinds of friends, but check out verse 12. Epaphras, who was one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you. He sounds like one of my Kenyan brothers. Like, like I got like Bishop Peter. He is always wrestling in prayer for us and for this church. That you may stand firm in all of the will of God, mature and fully assured. The, the Greek word for wrestle comes from a, a, a Greek word. I'm going to do my best. Agonino. Uh, that's where we get the word agony from. They just screenshot the thing on the, on the TV. All right. It means to struggle, to compete for a prize, figuratively to contend with an adversary, or generally to endeavor to accomplish something. Watch this. The English translated it like this. Fight, labor, fervently, strive. That's why this point we had to add that that really pray because most people will pray for you for, for a little bit, right? You'll be like, hey, brother, man, keep a brother in prayer. I'm really, really going through something right now, you know, me and my family, whatever. They'll be like, oh, yeah, I'll pray for you. And they'll be like, Lord, would you please bless John? Amen. But when's the last time you had somebody who said, oh, wait, wait, hold up. It sounds like you're really going through something. Let, Let me pull the car over for a moment and put this thing in park and pray for you on the spot. Because sometimes when you're going through things, you need to have the peace of mind that when you ask somebody to pray for you, that they're going to wrestle in prayer for you. You you need that strong prayer in your life when when you're hurting, when you're having a tough day, when you need wisdom with, with your children. When you're going through difficult situations as a parent or as a husband and as a wife and, and, and as a friend. Paul said, when you're going through a trial, you need a prayer warrior. You need a friend like Epaphras who will wrestle in the spirit for you. I'm talking about some WWE prayer in Jesus' name. Hey, listen, from now on, if you want to be this kind of friend, when when, when somebody asks you to pray for them, stop, drop, and pray on the spot. Stop telling them you'll pray for them and forget it. Drop what you're doing and pray for them on the spot. Just be like, Lord, I just want to pray for Leslie right now. Lord, I know that after church, Leslie is going to have to do a difficult thing as she mourns a sudden loss in her family. Father, we're asking in Jesus' name for strength upon her body right now. Strengthen her spirit. Father, we ask that you cover her and surround her by the Holy Spirit of God. And we give you thanks right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you for comfort in her life. We bless her in the name of the Lord.
Stop, drop, and pray on the spot. Hey fam, your brothers and sisters in Christ sitting beside you are counting on you to be the best you that you can possibly be. Hey, here's what you need to do. I don't, I'm not trying to tell you how to live or anything like that. I just want to make a suggestion. What, what, if, what if you began to surround yourself with people whose words are full of grace, seasoned with salt, and less time with those who aren't? And I want to also encourage you, be the kind of friend that we described here today. I'm pretty much done. Uh, but you may be sitting here thinking, hey, preacher, that all sounds great. You know, friendships and relationships and, and all. But how do I find these kinds of friends? Well, the Lord Jesus established an entity called the church. And specifically the local church. And I just want to encourage you, if that word has really spoken to your life today. And, and you're, you're feeling that, you know, in closing. I just want to give you the Colossian challenge. You don't have to do it. But you can. Colossian challenge. Paul listed 11 friends by name who he could call on when he needed them the most. And so for the remainder of the 2024 year, I want to give you this Colossian challenge to meet 11 new people that you can call by name. 11 new people that you can call by name. So I'm just going to make it real easy. If you're a, if you're a man in the church, I want to challenge you to meet 11 new men and to invite them to our men's ministry. Shout out to the men. Where's all the men at? Men's ministry, Thursday nights, 6.30 p.m. at Fairview Baptist Church. Okay, if you're a woman in the house, all the ladies make some noise. I want to challenge you. Meet 11 new women and invite them to the women's ministry called Sisterhood. If you're, if you're a student, any students in the building? Okay, okay, we got... We got one and a half. Students, I want to encourage you, meet 11 new students and invite them to Gen Life Students on Sunday nights, 5 to 6.30 p.m. bi-weekly. For the 2024 year, that's the Colossian challenge, and I'm praying that you would take me up on it and that we would see ourselves becoming the ultimate friend makers at Generation Life Church. Can you say amen? I'm going to ask the worship team if the worship team will come out. And um, just want to have a word of prayer as we go before the Lord and worship for one last song. Hey, let's be friend makers, full of grace, seasoned with salt. Why don't you all stand with me? Father, we just want to say thank you, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to hear your word. Uh, Father, thank you for uh, the challenge. Lord, I want to thank you for um, uh, even for challenging me in this, in this word and, and challenging us all. Father, um, we're asking, Lord, that you would grant us the grace needed in order to be the kind of uh, child of God and the kind of church that you have had in mind. Lord, that we would find ourselves fellowshipping with one another and loving one another and, and making new friends with one another, Lord, so that nobody ever feels left out, so nobody ever feels forgotten. Everyone feels included, Lord, that everyone would feel as though they are an equal child of God in your house. In the name of Jesus.
Father, we give you thanks for all that you've done in our church, for all that you're doing in our midst. Lord, we thank you, Father, that, that you are our way maker. Lord, when, when things looked bleak, you made a way for us, Lord. Father, you allowed us to be here today because you are the ultimate way maker. We love you today, Lord. We honor you. May you receive our worship. May it put a smile upon your face and joy in your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Generation Life Church Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message inspired, encouraged, and challenged you in your walk with Jesus. Join us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in person at Orange High School or online via our YouTube channel. For more information about Gen Life or to connect with us, visit generationlifechurch.com.